if you were going to buy a car virtually, you wouldn't want to walk through a virtual parking lot to look at cars, right? And and I don't think walking through a mall virtually is really the experience consumers are looking for either. I think it's going to be much more personal. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Beck Bessiker, co-founder and CEO of Marksent, the 3D enterprise platform for retailers and manufacturers. In today's episode, we'll be discussing 3D product design and what it means for the future of retail. And welcome to the show, Beck. It's a pleasure having you with us today. Do you want to add anything or should we just jump straight ahead to the questions? No, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So let's kick our discussion off with some background on 3D design. Can you tell us more about it and about its history and evolution? Sure. The, you know... CAD has been around for a long time or computer-aided design. What's really the, the big opportunity of sort of transformation in the market is that 3D is now accessible to web applications. The ability to uh, display a high-quality 3D, you know, di- you know, twin of a product on a website, on an e-commerce site, you know, in search, in a promotion is now possible. And that's really matured over the last probably five to seven years, where game engines like Unity and Epic and Babylon and others have uh, made it possible to, you know, render a lighter weight 3D model, what's often called like a runtime model or a low poly model. And historically, 3D models were really sort of, they look cartoony and sort of, you know, were intended for games. And and now the, the ability of browsers and devices to, to, to display a higher quality model at you know, in a browser makes it possible for everyday retail applications to take advantage of 3D. And and that's really the big sort of sea change in the market in the last five to seven years. And I'm guessing that that this turned out to be super relevant with the onset of the COVID pandemic because of, you know, what retailers have had to experience and the huge impact that they've been dealt. It's not too dissimilar. You know, let's take a, I'll use an analogy. So Airline tickets, we used to have to call a professional and that professional on the other end of the line had a, a desktop tool that he or she would use to, you know, book your tickets. And then, you know, the web came along and made it possible to expose those applications to consumers. And then they made it easy and intuitive and fast. And, and now all of a sudden we, uh, you know, we all book our tickets online today. The same, that transformation, while it seems obvious, like in, in a vertical, like uh, airline tickets, that same thing is happening to 3D. It used to be a 3D uh, experience was, you know, something like AutoCAD or some desktop application, and you were a professional designer, or you're working with a CAD tool. Like imagine like designing a kitchen or a bathroom, right? You'd go sit in a store and you'd have a person highly trained on a piece of software. They had to download it on their desktop. You know, all of the assets ran on the local C drive. It, probably had a big processor in order to sort of show all these assets. Now you can take something like a kitchen planner or a decking planner or a furniture planner, put it on a browser. It's easy to use. It's drag and drop. It's all intuitive. And so now all of a sudden, you know, your average homeowner can build a kitchen pretty easily. 
you know, and, and there's all this sort of AI and automation where you can do things like automate the generation of a, a kitchen just from a photo. And so all of a sudden now 3D is is no longer just a tool for, for professionals. It's a tool for everyday homeowners who really want to, you know, take control of their shopping experience or their design experience. And so, yes, COVID had a massive impact and, and probably accelerated the market by three or four years because there was all this latent demand and people couldn't have people in their house and they were willing to invest some time. And, and yeah, we saw that, you know, our business more than double during that time and, and we haven't seen a drop off. So I think 3D as a thing that we all do, you know, on the web is now, uh, is now here to stay. And how valuable is it for businesses to develop a comprehensive 3D design strategy rather than just one-off projects or applications of 3D? Sure. So uh, I'm going to speak in the uh, in retail because that's where we focus at, uh, at Markson. So we work with Lazy Boy, Macy's, Miller Knoll, so big manufacturers and retailers, and that typically have or almost always have highly configurable products. So kitchen, bath, decking, furniture, office, and like closets. So these are all categories where you just can't buy the thing, you've got to combine multiple items together into a single scene. They all have business rules and connect together. And so in our world, 3D is like a utility that these retailers use to actually sell their product. Like you, it's very hard to buy an office chair at Miller Knoll unless you can actually configure the office chair and then put it into the cart. And so there are elements of 3D that are really simply like you know configure price quote tools that used to be used by a, a pro and now are available to a homeowner or a business owner so they can do this themselves and so so when you think about and and a lot of these transactions are moving from the physical store to online and so you know if you can't work with an associate sitting in a store and do your design and you want to do it at home this is the only way you can really do it and so all of a sudden the big the big moving parts are one 3D is now available on the web, and then people want to do this at home, and uh, stores are looking for ways to engage consumers before they get to the store and, and online. So it's central. I mean, it's becoming, you know, you know, things like online kitchens and furniture is still single digits in terms of the percentage of sales volume online, but it's going to grow very, very quickly. Like, you know, home is kind of the last category to get online. Right, other categories like books and shoes and fashion. And so now you're seeing these big $10,000 transactions actually move online, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it's something, you know, similar to shoes and clothes and stuff like that. It's something that you'll want to, to you know, be comfortable with for a longer amount of time. And it's just, you know, a home or a kitchen or something like that. It's just, it, it's, it's intended, it, it's use, use uh, kind of frame is much more extended than just simply for shoes. So this is probably one of the main reasons why it's, as you just pointed out, one of the last to move online, because, you know, it, it's one of those uh, cases where you really need to experience it if you, you know, if you want to live in the home for like maybe 10, 20 years. But I'm guessing that, you know, all the evolutions in 3D design are bringing the actual experience closer to people who are just, you know, experiencing it on the web. Yeah, we see, 
you know, it's it's a broad range of use cases. It could be as something as simple as, you know, visualizing a product in your home using augmented reality, mm-hmm. like a hologram, you can see it. And then, um, and, you know, that may be, you know, a few hundred dollar transaction all the way up to, a, you know, 10 or $20,000 kitchen or, or deck. But it's not, it's not kind of an either or. It's not like, okay, homeowners can do this and they just do it on their own. What really happens is, if if you think about the you mentioned that these are like what we call like high consideration purchases mm-hmm. like you're gonna there's gonna there's quite a funnel like you may spend 12 to 14 months in the purchase funnel mm-hmm. you know you may only ever redo a kitchen one time in your life it's you know several thousand dollar transaction you want to be comfortable and so it used to be you know if you wanted to do this you might have to go to a, a you know a lowe's or, or a place like that and sit with a professional and you felt like you were trying to cram in this transaction all in a three-hour visit now a homeowner can spend months you know at home which they were kind of doing already just mm-hmm. not without good tools and researching and evaluating they can build their project they can share their project and then these tools just like a video game have like you know collaboration capabilities and so i could sit with i could work on a project for you know several weeks and then you and i if, if you were the designer i could share my project with you on a Zoom call, right? And and you can edit the project or make recommendations or we can change the wall color together. And so all of a sudden it's becoming, it's not like this linear path. It's like mm-hmm. the homeowner and the and the pro can work simultaneously. And what's also nice for the pros is they don't have to be on a Zoom call to work with a customer. They can let the customer edit a project or change a project or annotate a design. And so they could work with a lot of customers at once instead mm-hmm. of like one-on-one in person and so it's really done cha- you know it's all very new and exciting but it's really changing kind of you know sort of uh, uh how retailers think about well i can engage them 14 months out and watch them matriculate all the way through the sales funnel you know the more and more and we can actually track like okay we know if you spend five sessions and more than an hour in the planner you're ready to buy Right. So you can start to sort of preempt the customer. It looks like you're doing a great job. Do you need some help? Would you like to talk to a designer? So it's creating all these like CRM remarketing opportunities as well. It, the way it sounds to me is it improves the experience of both the customer as well as the salesperson, which is, you know, exactly the thing you want with something like that. Yeah. Yes. So what would be the main considerations as well as kind of the the main pitfalls to watch out when you're incorporating 3D into a content strategy? So I'll use another analogy. Let's say you were going to buy a CRM system from like, say, Salesforce. And you've got, and you're a big enterprise, multi-billion dollar company, and you've got, you know, the tool might be used by marketing, uh, e-com, merchandising, store operations like there could be all these like stakeholders right you wouldn't go out um and maybe you had 10 divisions right as part of your organization you wouldn't buy five different crm systems Mm -hmm. right you'd buy one crm system that would have a single view of the customer online and in store that everybody could access and have a single point of truth to understand the consumer's behavior and the ability to activate um, opportunities with that consumer so everybody understands that now if you're buying a CRM application, right? The same thing holds true for a 3D PIM or a 3D content management system. That if you're going to create a 3D asset of say a chair or a shoe or a handbag or whatever it happens to be, 
that 3D asset is going to be used in planning tools, augmented reality, search, uh, visual merchandising, like you can render a product and use it for, you know, uh, photo content on your site. It'll be used to create content that you might provide vendors so they could put, product, you know, information on the product page. Like it's going to have all these use cases. And so you want one single point of truth for that 3D asset so that it goes through as it changes and updates and gets modified or you, I mean, you may use it in like, imagine you're a big CPG, like a Procter & Gamble or Nestle. Like you might use 3D to test different labels. And so you want a one single platform that can serve all the use cases and have a history of the object as well as all of its metadata. So that's what's happening right now is people are beginning to understand that, you know, early in 3D, somebody might call us and say, hey, I'm looking for a sectional configurator or I'm looking for an AR app. But as soon as you start to think about multiple applications, multiple channels, multiple divisions, you're like, oh, I, I need more than an app. I need a single platform that can serve and grow and is scalable and extensible. And so and that really that was really the vision of our company was to be the 3D PIM um, or 3D content management system for uh, the home vertical and potentially beyond. But it took a long time. It's really in the last two years that we're starting to hear that language from buyers where it's no longer just the marketing person calling it's like the enterprise architect who's calling and saying hey i have all these stakeholders to serve you know what's the you know uh will your platform support it so that's the biggest takeaway or that's the transition that's happening in the market is this is just like buying a crm system you're going to need a 3d platform and this really ties back to to what we talked about earlier about having to really incorporate 3d into your whole strategy not not just you know using it in, in a one-time manner because uh, if if you're going to be using it company-wide there has to be a significant investment and it probably makes only makes sense that you know you would incorporate it in a more full-scale manner you know when i sort of close my eyes and think about like okay what is e-commerce going to look like seven to ten years from now well uh, we have this saying, everything is better in, in 3D, that right now, if you go to a product page, you know, you're trying to, you're, you know, they have a, a picture of the product, maybe you have multiple angles of the product. You probably have a picture of the product, like in context, like with, you know, in situ, like a background, right? And maybe a multiple different versions, or you may maybe show the, the product in like multiple colors or from different angles. Like we're desperately trying to create this like really nice product page that can all be replaced with a single 3D model of that product. And, and so when we think about like what e-commerce looks like, we imagine this, uh, an area where there are, it's just the 3D model on the product page and it's fully articulated. It's, you know, it, it, you would, as an average consumer wouldn't know that it's a 3D model, it looks real. I can download it. I can put it in AR, I can share it. I can, you know, so all of a sudden, once it's in 3D, it becomes transposable. I can move it and put it in the context of a bar myself as a user. I can, you know, make it part of another application. I can make it part of my own collection. So all of a sudden, 3D really changes the dynamic of like a product page. Now, the reason that's not happening today is the quality of a 3D model, like in real time, uh, you know, it could still look kind of cartoony and it's not the best representation representation of your product. 
but that's now changing like webgl what they call webgl 3d models can now like you know look hyper real or approaching real so so if you think about it in that context every single product well and also there's performance right it, i mean once you have these models are a little heavier weight and so performance mm -hmm. on the site's going to have to catch up but if you think about it in that context it's like wow everywhere there's a 2d asset there's it's going to be replaced by a 3d experience it's like okay that's a huge 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 opportunity and it's sort of working its way through categories like chairs and tables make sense now handbags and shoes and cars and you know uh toothpaste and shampoo bottles and you know all of those all those long tail categories will essentially be part of that experience so do you expect that uh, that that will soon see the tech investment in 3d go from just being an it cost to an actual profit center yes there's actually two there's um uh it's a, that's a great question because there are there are simple utilities like product configurators right which is kind of a cost of doing business and you know might be considered a, a cost center um but and there are and if you work in a a retail that has like a design service your design team is probably using some kind of 3d planning tool to engage with consumers and so that's kind of a combination right it's a utility but it's also like you know you might have 40 percent of your sales if you're a design-centric retailer going through these tools so those are all sort of like utilities cost of doing business sort of just part of the the you know the typical workflow then there's what if i take those same tools like a planner and expose it to a homeowner mm -hmm. and so now you know you start to think about oh my gosh this is a customer engagement tool you can engage people earlier in the sales cycle they can you know they start to sell themselves you can remarket now it's a profit center mm -hmm while you're unlocking your revenue. And so it's like, uh, there are both, okay, this is an IT cost of doing business workflow tool. And then there are these, you know, marketing promotion, like Macy's last year, we did 50,000 rooms online. Wow. <laughs> right. And of course, not all of them bought, right? So here's a huge opportunity to, to remarket and advertise to those, those shoppers. So that's exciting part about 3D. There are net new revenue opportunities emerging as well. So this actually leads perfectly into the final question I have for you today, Beck, and one that we already alluded to in the intro. So it's about the future of retail and how is 3D helping to usher in this future of retail? And also, are there any other related technologies and trends that are relevant here that we should uh, highlight? Obviously, there's a lot of stuff out in the ecosystem talking, you know, talking about metaverse and mm -hmm. these sort of transitional consumer experiences. And I'm still trying in my own head, try to work out like what what is the real opportunity for like a metaverse experience? There are brands, you know, like a Nike or a Gucci or, or something that's like an aspirational brand where if I'm an avatar and I'm in the metaverse and I attach my, you know, attach my avatar to Nike or Gucci or Chanel, like that makes sense, right? You're, but in other categories like home furniture and kitchens, I'm not sure, like, how do they translate the same way to some of these opportunities? There's a lot of activity um, out there right now around, you know, creating a virtual walkthrough of a retail experience. And, um, you know, to me, I'm not sure those are the right answer either. It's kind of like, 
if you were going to buy a car virtually, you wouldn't want to walk through a virtual parking lot to look at cars, right? And and I don't think walking through a mall virtually is really the experience consumers are looking for either. I, I think it's I think it's going to be much more personal. In other words, what I think is going to happen with 3D and, and retail is that consumers will be able to to create their own physical space or recreate their own physical space digitally. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have in the future, you'll when you buy your house, they'll give you a, an exact copy of your house in 3D. Like that'll that you can go online and navigate. Like that'll be actually a part of like mm-hmm. purchasing your home. And then once you have that space, like you'll go out into the metaverse or these other 3D experiences or stores. Imagine like you go to a store and you hit a, a QR code on a chair and you get home and it's in your and you get a 3D copy in your 3D home. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can begin to sort of. So I think it's going to be more around creating your own you know, digital space that you can manipulate and engage with and you go out into the market and grab things. So I don't think it's going to be so much like we're all going to go out to retail experiences and, and engage in these. I think it's going to be much very, very personal. Um, and, and that will start to become a, imagine like you're, you're, not, you're a contractor and I, you know, engage you to do a project at my house. Like I'll send you my 3D house, mm-hmm. right? So you can send it back to me with your proposal. Like, I think it'll be more, more unexpected than just, hey, let's walk around in a virtual mall. That's uh, that's where I see the future going. Yeah, because with, with the changes in innovation of, of the technology, it only makes sense that to take full advantage of these changes, you would also have to completely uh, shake up the ways in which you use them, right? If you're using new technologies in the same kind of old-fashioned way, then you're not really getting the, the advantage that you're supposed to be getting out of them. Well, that happens. I mean, if you go, I'm old enough to have been here at the dawn of the internet, my first company when back when Amazon was starting. And if you look at all those, you know, version one e-commerce experiences, we were emulating physical stores, right? You know, how the taxonomy of the catalog and and sort of how you engage with the website. And, and of course, all that has dramatically changed. We figured out better ways to get. And I, so I think it's natural, right? You first thing you do is you copy what you have today, you know, in a new medium, and then you start to innovate mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, just like computers were uh, initially just a much more efficient way of, you know, documenting stuff. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, Beck, this has been a great conversation. I certainly learned a lot of new interesting stuff today, and I'm, I'm excited to see where where the future will take us and what your predictions will, I mean, when they'll come to fruition, let me put it like <laughs> that. So just before we, we wrap up the discussion, if listeners would like to reach out to you or learn more about Marks and uh, where can they do that? They can go to uh, 3dcloud.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to include that the link to that in the show notes. And Beck, thanks again for joining us. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.